Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, I know you weren't expecting the Shed Adamas to go into the bunker, to the basement, uh, on sabbatical, whatever you want to say, for the last couple of weeks. But you know, we all need that time to recharge. We all need that time to refocus. And here I go. And there I was. And I needed it. And I'm back. And I'm back with a vengeance. Because, Shedheads, as we march into this 2022 NRL AFL, Super League seasons, I've got to tell you, there's a lot of, I I don't know, there's a lot of stuff in the air. We don't really know what we're going to face, what we're going to see. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times we've always said, that for sure is a team to beat here, that for sure is a team to beat here. We usually have that going into a season. What we feel is that team of destiny, that team that should not be able to be stopped, a lot of people still say in the Super League that's St. Helens, and, and you can't argue with that. But you always know St. Helens and Wigan are going to be right there, right? Always. And, you know, the Saints, again, are marching out of the gates fast over in the Super League. But as we go into this 2022 season, in both the NRL and the AFL, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are up in the air about who is going to lift the flag and the premiership and the trophies this year uh, for both. And I'm really, really excited because I really don't know. And I think we all know with these two physical games that a couple injuries changes everything. I'm saying we watched we watched the Richmond Tigers last year when Dustin Martin went down. There was no way Richmond was going to go and lift a flag again. And I'm not saying one player will win you a championship or a flag or a trophy, but he definitely can keep you from winning it without them being in the roster or in the lineup. And we saw that with Dusty and how important he is to the chemistry and the makeup of the Tigers. Going into this season, I think there's a lot of things that we just don't really know how it's going to pan out. Um, And we're going to go into this in detail. And next week, we'll have our AFL season kickoff, too, um, as we get ready to, to rev that up. But let's start with the 40-20. And again, we are on the doorstep. We are knocking right now because we're a matter of hours away from the kickoff of the season where we get to see the Seagulls take on the Panthers to start off the 2022 NRL season. But I think going into a season, you know there's always going to be some talking points, some things that we're really going to want to highlight, we're really going to want to watch to see how this pans out because they are, they're going to be major factors in the outcome of what we're going to see and what we're going to experience. And I think my number one that starts it all off that I that is, will the Panthers repeat? Will the Penny Panthers, black team, black magic, uh, as Jerome Lou, I would say, team Wakanda, will they lift another trophy? Will they go back to back? Will Brandy be crying in the studio again as the Panthers get another trophy. I don't know. We will find out here at the end of 4020 who my pick is, but I think that's key and, and something that we all have to watch out for. 
and I think starting out of the block, it's going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be a rocky start to the season for the Penny Panthers, because I think I think they've got all their bases covered, but when their leader, uh, Nathan Cleary, is going to be out to start the season, hmm, that, that could be a little bit of a rocky road to begin it. So we'll have to watch that. The, one of the other talking points, how will Adam Reynolds change the Broncos' direction? And will he get them into the eight? We know he won't be playing round one because of, of COVID. But what will Adam Reynolds bring? Well, his winning chemistry, as Benji Marshall says, maybe the most relaxed player he's ever played with. What will he bring to Brisbane and Kevy? Will he bring a stability in the Habs that, that Brisbane has not seen? At least we know now, at least half of the, 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 the Habs pairing, that's funny, half of the Habs, half of the Habs pairing is going to be in stone as long as injury doesn't keep him out. We know Adam Reynolds will be in there. And Kebby's got about three or four different pieces that he can add with it. Um, and, and we'll have to see. Right now with, with him going out, it looks like the start this week is going to be uh, against his old club will be Albert Kelly and Billy Walters. Kevy's son will be in the halves. Uh, I myself would have gone with Gamble, but that's that's me. That's me. But that is what the halves pairing is going to be. But the question is, when Adam Reynolds is back and firing, quite probably in round two, who will his halves partner be? Uh, I You know, you, you look at each one of these three players is something a little bit different. Uh, and they bring a little bit, a different, mindset a different uh, skill level in different areas to the table to partner with Adam Reynolds I think that's what you're gonna and I think that what we might see is I don't want to say a revolving door but I think compared for the team that they're going to face that week could be the partner that pat, partners Adam Reynolds in the Habs going into it so that'll be fascinating to see what will a clean and sober Cameron Munster look like for the storm this season. I will tell you of all the ones of all the my key points that I wrote down uh, as I was thinking about this kind of kickoff show for the season, this is the one that's got me most interested. And I know, you know, there's a lot of things that that we're gonna go into. But when we watch a player that's as dynamic as Cameron Munster and the way that he has dictated the Melbourne Storm team. Even in the era of the, you know, the big, the big, you know, the big three and all that type of stuff, right? You know, with with all the guys running around there, you know, with Billy and Cam and Cooper. Munster was always the wild card. He was always that that player that had so much it, but for whatever reason, he just never wanted to fully embrace that. And I think that that practical joker, loose cannon. Uh, off-the-cuff guy really made him a little bit more comfortable because it made people not watch him or take him seriously all the time. I don't think he's got that anymore. The ending of the end of last season, I think, ended that era in the Cameron Munster, I guess, life of a, pres- a professional athlete. And I'm really curious to see how he embraces fatherhood, he embraces uh, leadership, how he embraces just the weight that it's going to be. You know, after he has a bad game, you know, he's not going to be able to bet on the ponies. He's not going to be able to, you know, pound back, you know, a six-pack. He is really going to be 
on the straight and narrow, or that's what the Storms say they're going to hold him to. But I think if you watch how he's played in this preseason, his what you've heard out of the, the, the Melbourne Storm camp, how he's practicing, his fitness level, you wonder if some of those nagging injuries that he's picked up during during previous seasons are not due to the bottle and a little bit of maybe not having his body in the shape that it needs to be in. Because if you put the body from first gear to fifth gear, it will it will break down like a car after a while. You can't do that. You have to you have to switch gears. You know, you don't go from zero to 75 miles per hour without going through 20, 30, 40, and 50 to get to that era and to that to that speed. So I think it's gonna be something that that we'll really enjoy watching. I know I will. And 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 as you know, I I try to cover these games, these these sports um with a little bit of uh how do I say this? With an evenness that I don't try to, you know, we pick our games occasionally, but I, I try to be fair, right? And and non-partial. And so I just want to see the best out of the guy, and I think that we have a chance to see something very, very special. So I'm interested to see how Cameron Munster goes and what he looks like. Does Tim Sheen's back of the Tigers help them make the top eight? And does it help Madge bridge the gap? I think you guys know Shedheads what my feeling is on this because you, I kind of got, I really kind of got deep last year towards the end of the season on what I thought the Tigers should do going forward, and they didn't make that call. Uh, I think some of it is because they didn't get the guy they really, really wanted, but we'll have to see because I think Madge Madge and Trent Barrett are the two coaches on the hottest seats going into the season, Uh, and we'll see because the Tigers do not have an easy uh, run out of the box. Heck, they've got the Melbourne Storm round one. So I think right off the bat and right from the beginning, uh, Madge and the Tigers will be under the pump. Does Turbo take his game to possible immortal status in just a second season, possibly playing healthy? Here's another player that proved how a healthy body, non-drinking, not going out, partying, that type of stuff, how that helped, and he has admitted to saying this, how this has helped Tom Travojevic finish the entire season as healthy as he was after the race on the Corso. But that's something totally different. But Turbo has proven that if you treat your body like a temple or as close to a temple as you possibly can, what the rewards and the benefits of that can be. So I'm curious to see, a lot of people have said this, that he has looked, his strike is like, like mid-season stuff already. And if that's the case, what is this guy going to be like? Because his loss to the side with some of the games he missed early in the season because of the Corso run probably kept them from finishing even higher than they already did last season. So I, I really think, you know, Kieran Foran looks like he's in great form. DCE looks like he's like he's striking and that he really he's got something motivating him because he wants to put on the green and gold jersey again for Australia. So I think this is a team that that really has a point to prove and a team that really feels that they're going to be able to do some things this season. The question to me is if they finish in the top four, 
Because if they finish in the top four, I think they do have a, a real chance at, at, at winning the championship uh, and winning the premiership. But they've got to finish in the top four because I think if they finish five and below, uh, they do not have a chance to win the whole thing. But I think a lot of this is all going to be up to how Turbo finishes and does he stay healthy during the season. And finally, if Penrith does not win the premiership and go back-to-back, what team will? What team will? And we're going to have some, some, some predictions that I'm going to have at the end of 4020. My top four, who I think, and who I think is going to, to lift the trophy at the end of the season. Now, going into round one, we've got some key, key injuries uh, that are, are really shaping, I think, what we're going to see uh, for the first round and then some rounds after that. And we're just going to kind of go down through some of the major ones. You heard me say earlier that Nathan Clitterie is going to miss the first three weeks for sure of the season for the Penny Panthers, nursing that shoulder injury. And I think uh, Ivan Clitterie has said over and over and over again, he is not going to rush Nathan back. He's going to make sure Nathan is healthy. Uh, I, I listened to Benji Marshall talk about how important it is for a player when he has reconstructive shoulder surgery, why it's so important to make sure that player is as fit as you possibly can be for contact. Because, you know, for a while there, Benji looked like he might have to retire because he just could not get his shoulders healthy. You know, he just he just couldn't get healthy with him. So it's important to make sure that you really uh, err on the side of caution in a situation like this and not rush the guy back because it's we all know this it's a long season it's a long season we know we're all going to pick up injuries everyone's going to pick up some type of injury no matter if it's an injury that you just carry the whole rest of the season with you and you don't miss a game or an injury that makes you miss some games down the track but it is a tough 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 game to finish all the rounds and play so i you know if you need to rest in the first four rounds you rest him you know, that's why you brought in Sean Sullivan to pick up the pace, to fill in at halves. Uh, and I think that he will, with with the with the pieces that he has in place, with the players that he has to play off of, uh, Jerome Luai, you know, will pick up a lot of the slack uh, in, in Nathan Cleary's absence. But I think the Panthers are going to be in good strike and they're going to be fine. Uh, and if they, if they go, let's say, two for three for those first three games... Uh, as a lot of people expect, they're going to be there right in the end. Josh Schuster, the the young gun for the Manly Seagulls, is going to miss at least the first four rounds because of a, a severe ankle injury. I told you earlier, Adam Reynolds for the Brisbane, uh, the the Brisbane, the Brisbane, the Brisbane uh, Broncos, he is going to be out uh, in the big return match. Against his former club, South Sydney, he will not be in on in the side, uh, which, like I said, gave you the pairings of, as it looks like, uh, Billy Walters being in, in the halves there. Um, the Knights, Daniel Zafidi, tibia fracture, going to miss at least the first two rounds, and Heimel Hunt, ruptured PCL, Bailey Hodgson, uh, it looks like it's a knee for him. Oh, excuse me, it's an elbow. And both of those guys are going to be out for at least round 10. So that's 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 really big for the Knights. Um, those are key pieces. And and with, it, with that deadline looming of early June, 
for Kalen Ponga to decide if he wants to re-sign with the Knights or not. It will be very important for the Knights to come out of the blocks really, really productive and, and, and getting the results needed on the field. Because I think if they come limping in in June, I think you might see uh, Kalen Ponga, you know, airing going towards uh, Clint Eastwood's team up there in Redfern, the Dolphins. So it's going to be interesting. So I think those are some key, key losses and things that I don't know. You know, I think it's going to be very, very interesting how Adam Clune fits in the halves uh, with Jake Clifford. So a lot of uncertainty with the Newcastle Knights. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, Jamal Fogarty, the, the 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 half that was put, brought in for Ricky's boys with the Raiders, knee injury. At least round 16 for Jamal Fogarty. Huge loss for Ricky. You know, and already rumblings coming. The wives aren't happy. That players aren't in the side. You know, I just, you just hate to see a team that hasn't even played their first match already behind the eight ball to an extent. And 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 unfortunately for Ricky, he's going to have to have some results this year for the Canberra Raiders, especially for job security. Not saying he's on the hot seat, but just saying they they're expecting some results down in the capital. The Sharks, Wade Graham again injured. Thank gosh it's not a head injury. But it's an ankle injury, and we're not going to see him till at least round six. Cameron McInnes, knee, round three. And then the big breaking news going into round one is Coach Fitzgibbon is out for round one with COVID. And you just wonder if this is now becoming something that we're all going to have to talk about week in and week out, is who's got COVID and who doesn't, who's going to miss this week and who's not. Um, I, I hate to say it, Shedheads, it is the, it is the way of the world right now. Not a lot of us have stayed COVID-free, except for your shed Adamas, but that's something totally different. But it is it is there. It is something we all have to live with, and it's going to be interesting to see how these teams go with the loss of a key, key player. Uh, Fitzgibbon for the Sharks uh, and Adam Reynolds for Brisbane. Jesse Bromwich, COVID. Again, another COVID athlete. He's missing round one for the Storm. I think the thing that this this could be the thing to me that puts the final weight on Madge McGuire's ankle, and these are the injuries that the Tigers go marching in to the season with. Jacob Little in the trials, injuring that knee, now out four to six weeks. Adam Dewey, knee, still not expected back till around eight to 14. And a lot of people have been hinting that maybe Adam Dewey will be the future captain for the West Tigers. It's tough to captain the team if you're not in the side, though. So who knows what they do up to that point. And then Tommy Talau, who was a big young, one of the young guns last year, they were expecting a lot of for the West Tigers. Uh, knee injury as well, midseason. So the Tigers are in trouble. They're in trouble already. Uh, they better show a defensive prowess um, and it'll be interesting to see how Gildard and Jackson Hastings, what a difference they make. Uh, Jackson Hastings is really escaping uh, a serious injury with that cannonball tackle that he received in the last preseason match against the Sydney Roosters. So it'll be very, very interesting. But I, I think I told you, Shedheads, that I said Madge will probably be gone by round four. And I'm sticking with that. Um, but that's not going to help him. Now, 
As we talk about injuries, we also talk about things that try to bolster teams going into round one and the start of the season. And there's been some key signings and extensions. I guess what they've seen enough up for the for the Broncos that Kevin Walters is extended until the end of 2023. So it's good to have a little stability up there for, for Kevy and the team. I know they were complaining. There's already rumblings that Kevy's training him too hard and he's on him too hard. Whatever. We'll see because I think Adam Reynolds, they start winning. That'll take a lot of the heat off of them. And showing the results on the field from hard work will always make a team work even harder. I think the big one to me, I, I told you, he, I think he's the best coach in the game. And I know a lot of people still go with Belly Ake and Wayne Bennett. But I'm a big Trent Robinson fan. And he's ex- he's extended and signed an extension with the Sydney Roosters until the end of the 2028 season. So once again, uh, I, I think you see this. The big clubs lock down their leaders. And I know the Melbourne Storm are waiting to see if, if Belly Ake, he's got four weeks to let them know if he's going to coach next season or not for the Storm. And I think that's going to make a, be a key, key, key decision in if there's more exodus from the Melbourne Storm for next season and beyond. And I think I think they know that. I think they know it's key and very, very important to get Bellyache to put that name on the dotted line. And then finally, in player movement, Dylan Walker for, the man, for, for Manly has signed a three-year deal starting in the 2023 season, to play for the New Zealand Warriors, or the Vodafone Warriors, however you want to say it. I know we won't be calling them the Redfern Warriors, uh, because they will hopefully be back in New Zealand, and the Dolphins will be taking their spot up in the Sunshine State. So, some big moves, some big signings, I think some things that we really need to watch um, going into the season, and we know that there's going to be player movement, and there's some big, big keys that are right there on the table of, of... I want to say kind of linchpins because I think if some of these dominoes start to fall, you're going to see others falling in place. Now, let's go into this week one schedule. Again, starting tonight, Sea Eagles versus the Panthers, uh, a healthy manly club against a somewhat depleted uh, Panthers club. We'll go with picks. I know it's tough to go with picks uh, this early on because we don't know um, what these teams are really, really going to look like. But I'll take I'll take Manly in that first that first round and let me let me write this down so I can keep track for you shedheads I got I got Manly there, uh, and then Friday we've got the Sharks and the Raiders. I'm gonna go with the Sharks on that. Rabbitohs versus the Broncos up in Brisbane. I'm going with the Broncos. I'm going with the Broncos, and then Knights versus the Roosters, and I'm going with the Chooks there. Saturday. Big, big kickoff, Dragons versus the Warriors. We saw how well the Dragons played uh, in the preseason, winning the Shield over South Sydney. Um, I'm going to go with the Warriors still, though. I I think Sean Johnson coming back there, I think they've had an incredible preseason, and I think the Warriors are going to stun the Dragons starting in round one. Storm and the Tigers, do we really need to talk about that? We're going to go with the Storm. Titans versus the Eels. I think if you watch the preseason, Mitchell Moses looks like a player that has something to prove. And and I'm going to go with the Eels because I think the Eels are going to do some special things this year. I really do. And then Sunday, we've got the Bulldogs versus the Cows. You got to go with the Cowboys. You got to go with the Cowboys. You got to go with the Cowboys. So that's our round one. 
And that is how we start this 2022 campaign. Really looking forward to it. I can't I can't stress to you enough. Uh, your Shedadamas probably has not got enough sleep to go through the night, but I'm ready for my 305 kickoff. Uh, so we can watch some some soaring birds against some Wakanda Panthers. Now, I told you I was going to give you some preseason predictions. What I think it's and how it's going to pan out for me. And let's start with the top four. My top four, and you can pick them in any order. I've got the Roosters, the Panthers, the Eels, and the Rabbitohs making my top four. And as I talk to you right now, Shedheads, I'm going to highlight my preseason top four so we can go back and look how close I was with that. Uh, I do not have the Melbourne Storm making that. I think I have them in fifth. But that is my top four that I've got. And for my premieres, for this 2022-2023, well, I guess 2022, what am I saying, 2023-2022 season, I am going Sydney Roosters and Trent Robinson and the boys to win and to lift the trophy at the end of the season. So that is how we kick off our I guess, pre-game or our pre-kickoff show for the NRL. Really excited to see what happens, and I hope you're able to follow it. Now, your Shed Adamas to start the season does not have Fox, Fox, uh, I guess, Fox Soccer Channel. I think that's one of the things we're watching on, or any of the Fox channels. So I will be watching my rugby league just on my tablet and, and you know, watching it on NRL.com uh, or Fox League. So, let's go into On the Mark. And I know that the AFL, AFL season, like I told you, is right around the corner starting uh, next week. And we'll do our pregame show uh, or our preseason show for that coming next week as well. But a couple big things, and I think this is huge. A guy that that I, I'm i a big fan of his. I, I, I've been lucky to watch him play live uh, one time. Lance Buddy Franklin. And Lance Franklin, it's so hard to believe that he's on the final year of his 10-year deal to play with the Sydney Swans. And it's it was a you know a 10-year deal. It was one of the biggest deals that was signed um, in the AFL for a player leaving Hawthorne as he was. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that Buddy had a chance to actually bring a flag to the Swans while he was there. And like I said, he's not done yet. But real rumblings out of campus that Bud, Buddy looks incredible. And Lance Franklin is also talking about signing an extension with the Swans to play on past, you know, this last season that he's got to, to finish his, his tenure deal. And I think that's really awesome. I think that is so good to see because I think we've lost some, 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 some important moments uh, for Lance Franklin with injuries. And I don't know if a lot of people thought that he was going to come back from from some of the injuries that he's kind of had, especially when it when it starts happening with the lower body there, with the legs, you know, that's everything for a big guy. Um, but Lance Franklin has looked good at preseason. He's looked good at training. And I'm knocking on wood that we get to see him for another two to three seasons um, for the Sydney Swans and in the game. Now, going back up to the Sunshine State, it looks like Brisbane Lions captain Dane Zorko is really saying that he's going to be available for round one against the power um, and that that Achilles procedure has gone well. He feels good and he's planning to be on the lineup for round one. I think that's a huge, huge, huge bump for 
the Brisbane Lions, the Brisbane Lions, because I don't think they thought they were going to have Zorko for round one. Uh, and that he is trending to play, I think, is a key key. And I think this is a pivotal match. This is one of the matches where I think you're going to see one of these two teams or both of these two teams in the top four. So head-to-head matchups are so important. So this Power Lions match, I think, is going to be it's going to be cracking and it's going to be interesting to see. So having Zork on the lineup is important. But unfortunately, his teammate Keaton Coleman is out eight to ten weeks with that hamstring injury. It is it is not looking good for him, and he does not look like he will be coming back any sooner than that eight-week period. And it could be even longer than that, up to ten. Now. Staying with the Bloods, staying with the Sydney Swans, there's been a new captain, a new sheriff has, has been named for the Swans, and their new skipper is the youngest skipper in the league at 24, but the Swans have named Callum Mills as their new captain, and you know, I, I think it's always strange to see guys that are still performing well, still playing well, giving up captaincies to younger players, and I know a lot of teams say that they need a new voice or they need to keep pushing forward. And and I think we talked last, I guess, at the end of uh, when news broke that uh, Trent Cotchin was stepping down as the captain for the Richmond Tigers. Uh, I just, I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it um, because it's not, it's not like all those guys aren't still going to be looking for Cotchin to say things. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, because I think the Swans really feel that they've got some, some strike in them going forward this season. I think they really think that they can contend, uh, that they have a good chance of trying to push towards the top four. And if you get into the top four, we all know that everything's on the table. Uh, Now, he will not be doing this alone, and that's good. I think when you have the youngest captain in the league, it's good to have good co-captains. And it looks like Dane Rampey and Luke Parker have been named as the 2022 co-captains to work with Mills and to help give more than just one voice inside that huddle and that team to keep them going. I'm really, really excited, Shedheads, uh, for this upcoming AFL season as well. Uh, I will have my picks just like I did for the NRL next week uh, as we go into this. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I think you need to keep your ears to the radio or whatever you're listening to because I've definitely got some some teams in my top eight and my four that I think you're not going to be expecting me to say next week. Now, as we go into outside the bubble this week, major moves. And over here in America, and if you're in America, you know this already, the NFL has now become a 365 league. It used to be for a while, especially when I was younger, Major League Baseball, you know, the big talk about spring training, uh, have a good friend of mine, who, who, who flies down to Arizona at times to go see spring training. Uh, and it's really kind of different. If you've never been to Arizona, uh, I can't speak of Florida as much because I've only been to Arizona for spring training. But it's really crazy to see these tiny little communities in, you know, I guess it would be the Phoenix area. So all the surrounding little things, Scottsdale, all that stuff. All these Major League Baseball teams go there and they have these little hubs, these tiny little stadiums they play at, Right that you can go to and you can watch a couple preseason games a day, right? Well, that's not happening right now. Major League Baseball, again, is shooting themselves in the foot. Major League Baseball is making themselves even more relevant than usual. I know last year, uh, starting out, we were all excited about the the Los Padres, the swinging, the swinging Friars. Um, 
we might not see the swinging fighters for a while uh, because Major League Baseball, again, can't get out of its way. But one thing that does not ever stop, and that is the NFL machine. And the NFL machine helped prove again that it is firing still. It is firing on, on, all, on all cylinders, and it's on a number a level five out of five right now with some of the news that's coming out of the NFL. And the biggest news that we've heard is the blockbuster deal that went down with the Seattle Seahawks trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. And I have to admit, I, I started to listen. I started to drink the Kool-Aid. I started to believe the pundits saying when they were saying that Russell Wilson is going nowhere. Russ was saying that I want to finish my career with the Seahawks, blah, 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 blah. It's kind of sad to say it that way. But really, after a while, you kind of look at it and go, well, who the hell do I trust? You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying, like, you hear these players, you hear these agents, you hear these teams talking and screaming at the top of their lungs that this guy is going nowhere. He's happy with this team. We can't wait for him to lead us to the future. And then a move like this happens. And this is a blockbuster deal, shithead. This is huge. Look, Listen to what the Broncos gave up. As you can guess, the Broncos get Russell Wilson, but the Seattle Seahawks, this is what they get in return for Russ. They get quarterback Drew Locke, who probably won't be there. They'll probably deal Drew Locke, I'm just saying. Tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks, and a fifth-round pick. Now, I'm going to say this right now because rumblings out of Seattle is that we'll find out in the next couple of days because it sounds like Deshaun Watson and his off-field struggles that he's going with is going to plead the fifth. And I think that means he's going to throw himself at the mercy of the court to see if, if the state of Texas will prosecute. Now, I'll tell you this right now. Money is being exchanged hands behind the scenes. And if you don't think that's the case, you're living in a fantasy world and you probably think, COVID's a democratic hoax too. But what I'm saying is movements, pieces are being moved right now because the Seattle Seahawks have a plan in place. I don't know if they know which which one it's going to be because they probably have multiple, but they're not planning on going into this season with Drew Locke as their starting quarterback. And I think we'll find out this weekend because if the state of Texas does not prosecute Deshaun Watson then I think you will see a move that gets Deshaun Watson out of Houston. It might actually even send Drew Locke to Houston, but gets Deshaun Watson up to the Seattle Seahawks to once again reignite, restart his NFL career. But that is a lot to give up for a player. That's a lot. And I, you know, I don't know if the, if the Seahawks are thinking about bringing more pieces in, you know, they got they just got rid of, of Bobby Wagner, a guy who came in in the same draft class with Russell Wilson and now goes out at the same time with Russell Wilson. So that Legion of Boom is now a thing of the past, 100%, which is a really sad, sad thing to see for the Seahawks and their fans because they were so prideful of their defense. But it looks to me like the Seahawks, were it was either going to be Pete or Russ, and it looks like they sided with Pete Carroll to stay there. And I have no problem with that. You know, I, I think 
to get what they got for Russell Wilson, and no matter how much of a fan of Russell Wilson I am, and I'm a big, big fan of Russell Wilson, I don't think Russell Wilson gets anywhere close to the credit that he deserves. But that that is that's grand theft. That is grand theft, what, what the Seahawks got. Now the question is what they do with these with these draft choices. And there's even rumblings now that the fee the the Philadelphia Eagles might be trying to circle the wagons to go get DK Metcalf. And I've always said I never thought the Seahawks were using DK Metcalf the way they should. Um but again, that is that is something totally totally different. But it looks like a rebuild's going on uh, with Seattle. But that could all change if they get Deshaun Watson. It may not be a for sure rebuild if they can actually get them a signal caller that actually has a little bit of the moxie and has the potential to be that game breaking type of quarterback that he'd always been projected to be. Now, on the other hand, you look at the Denver Broncos. And they've just taken a, a, a stacked AFC West and added another gunslinger there. You've got Justin Herbert with the Chargers. You've got Carr with the Raiders. You've got Patty Mahomes with the Chiefs. And now you've got Russell Wilson with the Broncos? It's insane. That, that AFC West is a murderer's row. And you wonder if... The attrition, the war of attrition, doesn't just make these guys punch themselves out and makes you wonder what they're going to have going into the playoffs. But this kind of leads to the next factor and the other big move that happened, and I think some people think was the move that made the Russell Wilson deal go down, and that's Denver found out that Aaron Rodgers was going to re-sign with the Green Bay Packers. Now, I don't know what immunity, I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, what he was thinking. I, you know, I, some people, some, some radio and TV pundits pick on Tom Brady because they say that, you know, Tom Brady is wishy-washy and, you know, it's all about Tom, blah, 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 blah. I think if anybody said that, if they don't say Aaron Rodgers the exact same way, that he just wants to be considered the prettiest girl at the ball every day, every week. Uh, you're a liar, too, and you might want to look at the mirror, too. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he has signed a four-year, $200 million deal to stay with, with the Packers. Now, I heard a couple guys talking today, too, saying the real the real person that's taking it in the shorts in this whole thing is Jordan Love. This young guy who didn't ask the Packers to draft him, this young guy who, you know, kind of was going to get the, you know, going to be the, the new Aaron Rodgers 2.0 and going to push the old veteran out. But now you've got Jordan Love who's going, well, what's my future? Do they not? Well, I guess they don't want me because they just gave $200 million to my the guy I'm supposed to be replacing. So Jordan Love, who is making the least amount of money for a, the least amount of money of, for, I think, any backup quarterback in the league. And he's still got two years left on his rookie deal, I think. Two years. This poor guy. You know, what? You know, if, if the NFL had any heart, which we know it doesn't, the Packers would trade him. But again, they're dealing with a quarterback that's almost 40 years old in Aaron Rodgers. So are you really going to, tr- you know, trade away? This young quarterback that at one time you thought was the future of your franchise. Now, 
I, you know, I just feel bad for the. I feel bad for him because he's really in a a no win position right now, and and you hate to see that for an athlete, especially a top notch one that is supposedly the future of a franchise. So maybe with that two hundred million dollars, I don't know, but maybe now Aaron Rodgers can keep a girlfriend, and maybe he can bring you know buy his bromance partner. Uh, Pat McAfee some sleeves for his shirt. So I don't know. Maybe that $200 million will go to something productive. We'll have to wait and see. Now, the other thing that just broke today, because again, the NFL just moving and shifting the paradigm. The NFL, it is broken that Carson Wentz is back in the NFC East. And I know what the rest of the teams in the NFC East are saying. Yes. Yes. And the reason I say that is Carson Wentz, you know, he's a shell of the quarterback that a lot of people thought that he was going to be. I can't ever say that I was 100% ever sold on him. You know, he, yeah, he looked okay coming out of North Dakota. Um, the Bison, yeah, he led him to a national championship, blah, blah, blah. But I just never, I just never drank the Carson Wentz Kool-Aid. I just never did. Um, but he just got traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington football team, because I refuse to say that horrible name. The Washington football team should be the Washington Red Tails, but instead they've taken on an even worse name. And I'm not, like I said, they from now on will be considered the Washington football team on this podcast. But the Washington football team is traded for Carson Wentz. I don't know if they think he will be the, the quarterback of their future. I think they're crazy if they think that. But I think they think that because the Washington football team is going to pay the full $28 million due to Carson Wentz, which includes a $5 million roster bonus. So I think if anybody is the big winner of this, it's not the Washington football team. It's not even the Indianapolis Colts that got Carson Wentz out of their freaking locker room. The big winner of this, to me, is Carson Wentz, who just got done making $28 million, including a roster bonus. That's insane. Shit, that is, you know, you look at, at, at NRL players, AFL players that put their, their livelihood on the line week in after week out, no pads on whatsoever, and you got a guy like Carson Wentz, a guy who threw maybe the worst pass of the season, making $28 million, a $5 million roster bonus. For a team that he still hasn't even taken a professional snap for. I'm telling you, it is a league of money, the NFL. And a lot of times, to me, it's not a league of smarts. But, there you go, Washington football team city. You've got yourselves a quarterback that your rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, didn't want. So, congratulations for supersizing your value value meal and getting cold fries. Now, in sad news, and it's always sad to report news of of loss, but a pioneer passed away, and that is NFL referee Johnny Greer. NFL referee Johnny Greer was the first black referee in the NFL. His first game was in 1988, but that wasn't the first year that Johnny Greer ever refereed because as a pioneer, and especially a black pioneer in America, you have to start down... Not even in single-A ball, but you have to reverse single-A ball. Johnny Greer started his refereeing career in 1965 
refereeing high school football games. All right? 1965. So it took Johnny Greer 33 years to actually finally get the shot of being an NFL referee. 33 years. 33 years to do that. Hey, don't say that perseverance is doesn't mean anything, uh, especially for certain groups uh, in, in sports and in the country and in the world. But it was great to see him get there. Uh, he had to retire, I think it was in 2004, because of a leg injury that he just couldn't come back from. But to me, like I said, when you see a pioneer and you know the stuff that Johnny Greer probably had to face uh, being a referee and the times that he started being a referee, at least he made it to the show, he made it to the big time, and he became the referee that got to coach NFL playoff games and got to leave his stamp to now we actually had, I think this last year we had an an all-black officiating crew in the NFL during one game. So... The NFL has, in some ways, come some strides, uh, but we know, truthfully, in a lot of strides, it's still taking what about Bob baby steps. So, um, Godspeed, Johnny Greer, and thank you for leaving a legacy in the NFL that needs as many legacies in that direction led. Now, I haven't talked about something because we were in the basement in the bunker about that huge blockbuster deal uh, in the NBA between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers that brought Joel Embiid's partner in crime, the Beard, to Philadelphia for the outcast. And I don't want to say this too harshly because I know he's got a lot of fans in the in, in, in one of the countries that listens to this show, but Ben Simmons going up to the Brooklyn Nets. An under 500 Brooklyn Nets club, by the way, uh, because Kyrie uh, is standing on his stance of not getting vaccinated, and he's playing every other game at best. Um, but the beard, since the beard got to Philadelphia, Joel Embiid and the beard have been like Batman and Robin. I had to throw that in there because you know the new Batman movie with the uh, with the teen vampire himself as as the Cape Crusader. But they are unbeaten since the beard got there. Since the beard has arrived with that horrible jacket, that that I don't know, corduroy sleeved, long trench coat, I, I still blame the Kardashians for this. Because whenever the Kardashian girls get their hands on a player, they're never the same. Blake Griffin still hasn't been able to jump over two inches since he messed around with a Kardashian. It is the Kardashian curse. But I'm not going on to this because... The Kardashians, I don't talk about the Kardashians, except when I talked about the Kardashians this previous second. But the beard has come, and he's with his man, Daryl Morey, and I think the 76ers might be the team to beat in the NBA East, in the East. And I and I and that's going to be crazy to say because the Chicago Bulls are playing behind DeRozan, incredible basketball. Jimmy Buckets and the Heat are up there. Uh, you know, the Greek Freak is woken up and 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 Milwaukee is right there. It is going to be thermal global nuclear devastation. And I'm not going to bring light to that what's going on in the world right now. But this is going to be hot, plain and simple. No matter how you cut it, the NBA Eastern Conference Finals is going to be it's going to be brutal. 
And I think that's why you almost have to say the team coming out of the West might be the favorite. Because I think for a team to come out of the East, what they're going to have to do to get through the Eastern Conference, to actually represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, is going to pretty much mean that you're going to be uh, on blood transfusions and probably snorting oxygen to make sure you make through the end of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I definitely had to talk about the big deal that got the beard out of Brooklyn and got the malcontent Ben Simmons with the Brooklyn Nets, who still hasn't played a game yet, by the way. So I don't know what Vegas is thinking, making them the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship. I think they've started to come to their senses saying they're insane for that, but we'll have to wait and see. But that brings to a close outside the bubble and brings a close to this episode of Outside the Sheds. Sheadheads, it's so great to be back with you guys. Uh, I've got my my New Zealand rugby uh, plush ball that's always on my desk right here. Um, I'm really enjoying being back. Uh, it was different. You know, when you get away from this a little bit, you, you start hesitating about coming back. Um, but I really enjoy this. I love this. Hope you've got some new listeners in Australia. I've been talking to some people. Hope they're enjoying the show with our comeback show. But enjoy the games this weekend. I know I'm going to be losing sleep, watching a lot of them. Really excited to see the studio show uh, tonight, the kickoff, seeing if Benji's there, seeing who the crew's going to be. But really excited to see how the Sea Eagles and the Panthers line up this evening. But until next week, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Welcome back to Outside the Sheds, and I will see you next week. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.